Hello, this is Tommy Peeler, and welcome to Carefully Examining the Text. Today, we want to examine Psalm 46. Listen to these words. For the choir director, a psalm of the sons of Korah, set to Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though its mountains quake at its swelling pride. Selah. There is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Salah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. Psalm 46 should be divided into three parts. I can say that with confidence because the Salah at the end of verse 6, at the, excuse me, at the end of verse 3, at the end of verse 7, and the end of verse 11 divides the psalm into three parts. Verses 1 through 3, natural catastrophe is described. I think in hyperbolic terms, uh, terms of hyperbole, it's described in order to emphasize we can trust God. In verses 4 through 7, a military attack is described in terms to lead us to trust God. And then God's exaltation among the nations is described in verses 8 through 11. This psalm is sometimes classified as a Zion psalm, but it doesn't mention the name Jerusalem. It doesn't mention the name Zion. It does make reference in verse 4 to the city of God. Some describe it as a psalm of confidence, but maybe none of these descriptions do justice to Psalm 46. And whatever the historical situation that originally led to the pinning of this particular psalm, this psalm goes beyond any historical circumstance to show us that in all situations we can trust God, our God, who is a mighty fortress, a bulwark never failing. In verses 1 through 3, God is described as our refuge, our strength, and our help. It is always interesting in studying the Psalms to ask what do the Psalms teach about God? God is our refuge, our strength, and our help. 
All of these terms are used to describe God. In this sense, all of these terms kind of function as synonyms to tell us that God is all in all. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our help. And the Bible says he is a very present help in trouble. The Hebrew literally says that God is very found. God is extraordinarily accessible. God is present when trouble is present. God is always there. Now, we know that some of the Psalms, the psalmist laments because it doesn't seem like God is there in time of trouble. But indeed, Psalm 46 tells us that he is. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our help. And he is very easily found in times of difficulty. He is not hiding from us or seeking to, to get away from us. And the Bible says because of who God is, because he is our refuge and our strength and our help, we will not fear. What is described in the following verses, in verses 2 and 3, has been described as a combination of a Richter 10, uh, of a earthquake that registers 10 on the Richter scale, or a Category 5 hurricane. It is all of this and worse. This text says we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam, though its mountains quake at its swelling pride, Selah. The mountains, often pictured as what is dependable, what is reliable, the mountains sink into the heart of the sea. He is describing something worse than an earthquake that registers 10 on the Richter scale, something worse than a five scale, than a, than a five, a category five hurricane. He is describing when all the world comes crumbling apart, the mountains sink into the heart of the sea and the waters roar and quake. He is describing when the world is turned upside down. Maybe that's how the people felt in the World Trade Center on September 11th of 2001. Maybe that's how the people of Ukraine feel right now as the bombs explode around them. But the writer says, we will not fear. Do you believe that God is your refuge, your strength, and your help in time of trouble? Can you say, we will not fear? And I acknowledge it is one thing to say we will not fear if things are good in your life. It is another thing to say we will not fear if all your world is 
is presently coming apart. But because of who God is, we cannot fear. We can live without fear, above fear. Verses 4 through 7 describe a military attack. I think in some ways this description of a military attack is meant to be a parallel picture to the natural catastrophe of verses 1 and 2, 1 through 3. A reason I say that is because in verse three, verse 6, the text says, the nations made an uproar. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, but that word uproar in verse 6 is the same word translated roar in verse 3. In verse 3, it was the waters that were roaring and foaming. But now in verse 6, it is the nations that are roaring and making an uproar. To some degree, the circumstance described in verses 1 through 3 is meant to be parallel with the situation described in verses 4 through 7. In verses 1 through 3, though, the waters were a threat as the mountains were sinking into the heart of the sea and the waters were roaring and foaming. But now, these waters of chaos have been tamed by an all-powerful God and they are made a stream to give life-giving water. In verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in her midst. She will not be moved. But the nations have gathered. In verse 5, the nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. The Lord of hosts. You notice the word Lord used in verse 7, in verse 8, and later in verse 11. Generally in this section, Psalms 42 through 83, the word Yahweh is not used frequently, but it's used three times in the midst of this psalm. It's very interesting to look at that word translated slip in verse 2 and tottered in verse 6. Again, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. But in verse 2, the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. But the word slip in verse 2 is the same Hebrew word used in verse 6 when the Bible tells us the kingdoms tottered. So the mountains, the symbols of stability, are sinking into the heart of the sea. And the kingdoms that seem so powerful are tottering. But the same word that's translated slip in verse 2 and tottered in verse 6 is translated moved in verse 5. And the text there says God is in her midst. She will not be moved. The mountains may be moved. The nations may be moved, but God will not be moved. Therefore, those who put their trust in him have no reason to fear. Even if the mountains are moved 
into the heart of the sea, even if the nations are moved and they tremble and fall apart. God will not be moved. God is our source of security. In the midst of a world of instability, our security, our strength can be found in God. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our help. And he is our stronghold. And so in verse 8, Come behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two and burns the chariot with fire. God in verse 8 and 9, verses 8 and 9, has acted powerfully. And God has forcibly disarmed a world of its military weapons. He makes the wars to cease. He breaks the bows in two. He burns the chariots. And some defend the reading shields there in verse 9. But whether it be shields or whether it be chariots, the idea is that God will bring an end to all these weapons. And the Bible says in verse 10, cease striving or be still, some translations have, and know that I am God. Now this isn't just a call to believers for careful meditation who is told to cease striving and know that I am God? It seems like in this context, this is a call directed to the nations. It is a call directed to the nations to surrender to God, to surrender to Him. Cease striving. Know the Lord is God. God will be exalted among the nations. God will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. As we have studied these psalms together, we have tried to see how these psalms teach us about Jesus. The city of God is important because of its chief resident, because of God himself. The city of Jerusalem in the Old Testament took on its significance from the fact that the God of heaven and earth dwelt there. But God's presence with his people today is not demonstrated in one city or a temple, but God's presence with his people is demonstrated in the person of Jesus when Jesus said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up again in three days, in John 2, verses 19 through 22, he is showing us that the place where God and man meet is in himself. God and man meet in the person of Jesus. It's no longer simply the city of Jerusalem. It's no longer simply the temple, but it is in the person of Jesus that God's presence dwells with man. The Bible tells us that God is in her midst and she will not be moved. 
the Bible says, come and behold the works of the Lord. Come and see the works of the Lord in verse 8. Do you remember when Philip called Nathanael in John 1 verse 46 and said, come and see, come and see, come and behold the works of the Lord. Nathanael ends that discussion by declaring that Jesus is the king of Israel in John 1 and verse 49. In this particular passage, the text says, Come, behold the works of the Lord. But this chapter also emphasizes the death and resurrection of Jesus. The Bible says in verse nine, verse 5, God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Morning dawn was often the time of deliverance. That was true of the exodus from Egypt in Exodus chapter 14, verse 27. Or I should say it's true of God dividing the sea for Israel and drowning the Egyptians. It all happened at morning break. And that deliverance foreshadowed an even greater deliverance one morning. When women went to the tomb of Jesus to finish the work of anointing the body, Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, and John 20. And as they come to the tomb at the first light of morning, they find that he is not here, but he is risen. God will help her when morning dawns. And morning was the time of the resurrection of Jesus. In verse 10, cease striving and know that I am God. Do you know the words I am in the Greek text of the Old Testament in Psalm 46 verse 10 are the same words that Jesus uttered in the Gospel of John when he said, I am the bread of life. In John 6, 35, I am the light of the world. In John 8, verse 12, I am the resurrection and the life. In John eleven twenty five, 25, or I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John 14, verse 6, cease striving and know I am God. Christ calls on us. To listen to these words. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Do you know the Greek word used in the Septuagint translation for God being exalted in Psalm 46.10 is the word that is used when Jesus said, If I be lifted up, in John 3:14, in John 8:28, in John 12:32 and 33, if I be lifted up, if I be exalted, they refer to Jesus being exalted in his crucifixion, of him being exalted in his resurrection and ascension. You notice the same word is used in Acts 2:33, in Acts 5:31. Jesus is exalted among the nations 
by hanging on the cross, by being raised from the dead, by ascending up into heaven, I will be exalted. And he will cause wars to cease and break the bow and cut the spear in two. In Zechariah 9, Zechariah 9, the Bible talks about a king coming to Jerusalem, riding upon a donkey, endued with salvation. And the Bible says in Zechariah 9, 9 and 10, that he will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem, and the bow of war will be cut off, and his dominion will be from sea to sea, and he will speak peace to the nations. That is talking about Jesus, according to Matthew 21, verses 4 and 5. Yes, he will be exalted among the nations, and he will cause all wars and troubles to cease. And therefore, people like you and people like me, because of all Christ has done, who have been barred access from the tree of life, can once again be welcomed in to the city of God as Revelation 22 talks about. There's always more to discuss about these Psalms than we get to say, but we hope that this helps you appreciate Psalm 44. If we can be of further assistance to you, please contact us because we want to help you to be there, the city of God. May the Lord bless you and keep you.